Welcome to Blockchain Inside. The podcast is co-produced by Ideas, the Purdue Blockchain Lab, and CastBox. Our visitors connect everyone in the blockchain industry and explore the most up-to-date news. We hope this podcast will be educational, easy to understand, and inspirational for all of our listeners. I'm Coach Culbertson, and today we have with us Greg Karch. Greg, why don't you take a minute and introduce yourself to our audience a bit and tell us how you got started in blockchain. I'm an attorney down here in Tampa, Florida. I practice in the blockchain space and primarily in small business and startups and emerging growth type companies in the blockchain space. I got involved in blockchain in 2013, 2014, took a seminar course, um, started researching Bitcoin and public policy, ended up writing a paper, um, published it in a law review, just exploring all of the issues surrounding uh, Bitcoin, blockchain, and and how our laws interact with that. And that got me started. And ever since then, I've been following it, researching it, and and trying to figure out ways to to bring blockchain and the law sort of together in in ways that that makes a lot of sense. So um, still challenging, still developing, but it's been a lot of fun. And my practice is centering just on blockchain now. That's how much work we've got going on right now. Awesome. Yeah, that's a, it certainly is a <laughs> fluid environment right now. So, Greg, let's talk about the SEC and their recent decisions. Did the SEC recently decide officially that ETH is not a security? Well, that's a good question. Um, there was a lot of buzz last week, and there was a presentations made by the by the director of finance or the director of the of the corporation section of the SEC, and he was talking to a finance, Yahoo Finance group, and he he gave us a lot of insight and, and information related to that question, and he felt you know it, it was in his opinion that that either was likely not a security anymore because of its decentralized nature and and how decentralized it's become. But it's not an official statement of the SEC. And so that's an important thing for people to understand is it's not, the SEC has not officially taken that position. And there's a footnote to his speech that specifies that this isn't an official position of the SEC. Uh But, But having said that, it's still very important because he's a key guy in the interpretation and insight in how the SEC is thinking about the issue. And Chairman Clayton came out shortly after that and sort of reiterated and and referenced his speech. And so I think it's safe to say the SEC is thinking along those lines, but but still not an official position, an official guidance or private letter ruling or any of those types of official things from the SEC. So, so we continue to watch, but it's, it's very encouraging. Uh, that's awesome. So let's shift gears a little bit. Let's talk about ICOs, right? initial coin offerings. Are there risks associated with a successful ICO? Well, there is, and, and it's, it's not something that, that people talk a great deal about. Most of the focus on ICOs is on the SEC, um, and of course, whether it's a security or not, and whether you need to comply with securities laws, and that's what most people talk about. What's interesting and what's starting to come about is you, you go out and you have a successful ICO, you you raise, you know, sell 40% of your tokens for $20 million, and there's an expectation that comes with that, that in essence, you've just valued the idea that you're going to produce at a $50 million valuation based on the, the number of 
the dollars that you've been able to raise. So that puts you in an interesting spot as a, as a startup business that hasn't actually started to create anything. You've got a, a white paper typically and a web page and a really great idea, but then the question becomes, how do you turn that into a, a, a business that's going to be worth $50 million? That's challenging because startups are hard and 80% of startups fail and even fewer end up being worth $50 million. And there's some questions about whether, how is that going to end up in the next several years? That, and that, and re, that remains to be seen, but it's a, I, I think people have, have to understand that, that kind of responsibility that they take on when they raise that kind of money. All right, right. So let's talk a little bit about uh, Regulation S and what are some important considerations these funds overseas from non-U.S. investors? Yeah, there's a few things that to think about and, and people are starting to think, well, we'll just go raise money overseas and people point to Reg S and, and sometimes you know, attorneys will, will recommend that as well. And, and, and while there are ways to do that, it, it's a tricky kind of regulation in the sense that but typically the way the regulation is, is set out is those funds have to be raised overseas through overseas investors. And when you do the advertising for Reg S, you have to be careful that you're not advertising in the U.S. if you're doing a Reg S, because especially in the token world, because if you want to bring those tokens back eventually when you get out of the security realm and it's, you create your utility, your utility token or or, or the token is used and it's no longer a security, you want to bring it back into the United States, it, it becomes a, an interesting dynamic because you went overseas to, to raise the token, but now you're coming back and selling the token. And there's, a, there's an interesting provision in the regulation, in all of the regulations really, that, that if you use any of these regulations for the exceptions to registering with the SEC, that if you're doing it in, in, as a scheme to avoid registration, then the exceptions aren't available to you. And so it raises an interesting question if you come back to the United States eventually with this token that you sold overseas, whether we transform from a security to a non-security, will the SEC take a look at that and think you intended to always come back to the U.S. and any advertising you did was conditioning the market, which is something that, that is, is, is a regulated kind of idea from the SEC. And so, that, so, so it gets very tricky, and I think people need to be quite careful when they, when they do an, a Reg S if they're a U.S. company, unless they intend to exclude the U.S. market altogether. Hmm. So... Let's talk about uh, the locations around the world that have very light regulations. Do you think that's going to impact innovation or fraud? Well, you know, I think that's developing. I think there's some companies or, or some, some countries like, like Malta and Gibraltar and some others that are, are passing some regulations. And what I think, what, what people should think about too is that you go overseas and you might not have to register with the SEC if you're raising in other countries, but you still have to comply with regulations in other countries. So even though they're, they're putting together regulations that are ICO specific or crypto specific, they're still going to have regulatory compliance issues in whichever countries that you end up in. And so you have to always comply with those local countries, regardless of what you're selling to, to investors in those countries. And so it's developing, but, but a, lot of the, a lot of these 
these other countries are are still there are some regulations still and so so there's still that regulatory burden and and excluding the US you know is excluding a rather large market got it got it so as we bring our podcast in to close can you tell our listeners how they might be able to contact you and if you have any resources that you might be able to provide for our blockchain enthusiasts? Yeah, we can be reached. You know, the, the name of the firm is um, DLT Law Group, and we are down in Tampa. Um, my, my email is greg at dltlawgroup.com. Um, and what we, you know, one of the things we can offer people is, you know, we offer an initial consultation, 30 to 30 minutes or so, maybe longer, depending on your questions. And, and, and we will take some initial questions and we'll offer, you know, some discussions and, and we can chat about the, the facts and circumstances because that's a big deal. It's, you know, it, it's difficult and, and, and I should have started off with saying that, that none of what I'm saying is legal advice and shouldn't be relied upon and everybody should get a lawyer because, you know, before you make some of these decisions because facts and circumstances, that's what the SEC says, you know, the, the, the issues you know, surrounding securities law and, and other issues surrounding token sales are really going to come down to facts and circumstances. And so, you know, we, we, we certainly allow for, you know, a certain amount of initial consultation to see what makes sense and, and, and then we can go from there. And so email works and then, and then we, I can be reached on the phone at 813 Eight four one seven four five six as well, and and we'd be happy to to chat with people, talk to them about their particular circumstances, um, and you know we like I said, our our practice is is exclusively now blockchain because that's how much work we're doing in the space, and uh, and it's it's interesting and everybody's situation is unique, so it, it, it's worth chatting with a lawyer for sure. All right, Greg, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. This has been great. You're welcome. I just, it's been fun. And to our listeners, thanks for following up with us today, Blockchain Inside. The podcast is co-produced by Ideas, the Purdue Blockchain Lab, and CastBox. Please subscribe to our show on castbox.fm slash blockchain lab and leave a comment there if you have any questions. I'm Coach Culbertson. Thanks for hanging out with us, and we'll see you next time.